Hello, market meditators, and welcome to your daily market briefing. Short, snappy, no BS, 10-minute daily updates about the crypto markets. Delivered to you by me, Kin. Things are getting better. Things are getting worse. There is so much debate and speculation right now about the health of Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency markets. In today's call, we're going to compare the evidence for both the bulls and the bears. How much good news is there right now for Bitcoin in the crypto markets? How much bad news is there? Specifically, what do we need to know about the Federal Reserve meeting coming up in just a few days? And how do we put all of that together to create an overall opinion, either bullish or bearish, about the future of the cryptocurrency markets? That is exactly what we are going to answer today. So if any of those questions were at all interesting to you, be sure to stick around until the end of the call. So to answer any questions about the current state of the cryptocurrency markets, we need to understand what that state is. Bitcoin, the largest crypto by market cap, is currently trading just above the 17k level at about 17.2k. This is up about 2% on the 24 hour. Most of this week, we've actually been trading underneath the 17k level. However, on the one week, it's only up about 1.5%. So overall, BTC has stayed pretty flat. In fact, even for the last month, if you open up the BTC chart, you'll see we've been around about that 17k level. So naturally, people are asking themselves, what's going to happen to crypto and Bitcoin? These kind of crabbish conditions make people wonder what is coming next, what is lurking behind the surface. What is quite interesting today is that Ethereum is trading close to the 1.3k level, up about 4% on the 24-hour. Why is this interesting? Because Ethereum today is outperforming Bitcoin. There's a specific reason why Ethereum is doing quite well, which we will get onto shortly. In terms of the biggest winners on the 24-hour in the altcoin markets, the Graph, Trust Wallet Token, and Internet Computer are all up there, all of them up about 7% on the 24-hour. And our big losers are Synthetic, Axie Infinity, but even these losses are quite small, we can see about 2 or 3%. So overall, today is actually fairly green. So now that we've looked at the chart, let's consider the bad news for Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency markets first. That way we can move on to the good news after and then we will all be in a more upbeat mood for the weekend. Probably the main bit of bad news that is circulating around the marketplace today is the fact that the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, commonly known as GBDC, broke through a record recently, offering exposure to Bitcoin at a deep discount. While that may seem like the deal of a lifetime for institutions looking to get exposure to the world's number one crypto, it has caused some to shift in their seats as FTX contagion fears spread through the industry. Remember, FTX contagion fears refers to the theory that when one big institution, in this case FTX, fails, a lot of other institutions will soon fail thereafter because they had exposure to FTX, they had debt with FTX that then, of course, doesn't get paid back, or they were relying on FTX's cash flows, which are now, of course, non-existent. What's grayscale? Sure. It's a disease that almost killed Khaleesi's right-hand man, but it's also the world's largest Bitcoin fund. And it provides BTC investment access through traditional investment vehicles to primarily institutional investors. Instead of buying and holding BTC, many large investors patronize Grayscale services. 
Instead, they have to find counterparties to help them gain exposure to Bitcoin. This is why institutional investors like Grayscale, instead of having to know or trust in cryptocurrency, as long as they know and trust in Grayscale, the provider of the services, they can get exposure through that route, which tends to be preferable for them. So are discounts good? Usually. But in this case, the discount is about as much of a bargain as markdown sushi. As demand for shares of Grayscale Bitcoin, GBTC, rose in years like 2017, the price of shares exceeded that of the underlying Bitcoin, indicating a strong interest amongst institutional investors. Now that the coin has flipped, buyers are few and far between. And as a result, those same GBTC shares are discounted almost 50% compared to the price of Bitcoin itself. As prices fall, so does institutional interest. Grayscale didn't win any popularity contests when it refused to share proof of reserves due to security concerns last month, even though Coinbase CFO Alicio Haas came to the firm's defense confirming a 635,235 BTC balance on November 18th. Is this a case of Bitcoin bargain bin or is Grayscale in for a bumpy ride? Only time will tell. Now, what is another piece of bad news for the cryptocurrency markets that could be weighing down investors and therefore the price of BTC in the cryptocurrency markets? Well, no one is happy about the fact that FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of FTX, has not been called into question, has not faced consequences for their actions. Indeed, he's not really gone to court yet or be put on trial for what many view to be fraud and crimes. It is difficult for there to be closure of the FTX situation until this happens. Adding to this bad news is a lot of big influencers, entrepreneurs, politicians actually coming out and defending FTX. This is bad for people in the cryptocurrency markets who are wanting to just have closure from this event and move on. Kevin O'Leary lost the $15 million he was paid to be FTX's spokesperson. Shark Tank star and investor Kevin O'Leary, known in some circles as Mr. Wonderful, claims he has lost all but the $15 million FTX paid to him to be its official spokesperson. Total deal was just under $15 million, he says. I put about 10 mil into crypto. I think that's what I've lost. It's all at zero. I don't know, because my account got scraped a few weeks ago. All the data, all the coins, everything. It was not a good investment, he goes on. I don't make good investments all the time. Luckily, I make more good ones than bad ones. But that was a bad one. Kevin O'Leary's net worth, fortunately, is uh, reported to be around $400 million, so we can't imagine this impacting him as heavily as it did some other crypto investors. So why is this bad news for cryptocurrency? Well, these kind of remarks make it seem less and less likely that Sam bankman is actually going to be held accountable for what he did. For example, despite the whole debacle, O'Leary has previously stated he would still have Sam Bankman-Fried on his team. And in a tweet yesterday, he reiterated that he is not scared of investing in entrepreneurs that have massive failures, as failure is often the best teacher. The tweet reads, I'm not scared of investing in entrepreneurs that have had catastrophic failures. Failure is often the best teacher. 
During another interview with Yahoo Finance on December the 6th, O'Leary stated that Sam Bankman-Fried should be treated as an innocent until proven guilty, as he called for FTX to be audited in the wake of its collapse. I am of the group of people that says you're innocent until proven guilty, he says. That's what I believe and I want the facts. And so if you tell me that you didn't or did do something, I'm going to believe you until I find out it's a falsehood. So what's the bad news at the moment for cryptocurrency? The fact that FTX is still having contagion effects. We are seeing the impact on grayscale through lack of institutional appetite and the fact that it doesn't look like FTX will be closed anytime soon if the CEO is still going around taking interviews and speaking freely and having people like Kevin O'Leary supporting him. Now, let's go on to some positive factors for the market to help us draw an overall conclusion about the current health of cryptocurrency. So I did mention that Ethereum is outperforming BTC and that we would say why. Well, here it is. As we know, Ether was recently changing hands at just below its most recent $1,300 support, a more than 4.5% gain from Wednesday, same time. The second largest crypto market value rose, after Ethereum developers determined that the network's next hard fork, called Shanghai, will have a target release time frame of March 2023, so not long at all. The March fork and a second one in the fall will give developers time to focus on technical issues and alleviate stress for individuals who have their ETH and any accrued rewards locked in the Beacon Chain staking smart contract. Way back when the merge was happening, we said on these calls that the merge is not the end of the story when it comes to the technical developments in store for Ethereum. There are more to come. This blockchain is continuing to be worked on and developed at an aggressive pace, and this will surely have a lot of positives for the entire market as many people still rely on Ethereum for their day-to-day -day crypto activities. Got a tweet here giving some more information. So that's where we landed for Shanghai. Withdrawals, EOF, and a few already implemented EIPs are what we will go for. If by January we don't meet the EOF milestones mentioned above, we'll remove it from Shanghai, so withdrawals ship ASAP. After all of this is completed, that's not even the end of the story yet. The network's next major event and final part of the roadmap is the sharding upgrade, which is expected to roll out over 2023 and 2024. So good news is that there continues to be a lot of growth in this ecosystem. So we said we need to discuss the Federal Reserve meeting that's coming up in just a few days. And we're going to talk about why it is good news for the cryptocurrency markets. Before I can talk about this meeting, though, we need to understand what this meeting even is. It's my belief that many people don't even understand some of the basics behind what this meeting is. So let's do a little bit of economics education, some macro fundamental analysis education, because remember, the bigger the cryptocurrency markets get, the more they'll interact with the macro markets, and therefore, the more important it will be to have at least a foundational understanding of the macro economy. So if you just stick around for the next few minutes, you'll have a working knowledge of what goes on at these meetings. All right, let's try summarize a economics degree in a few minutes. The Federal Reserve, FRS, often simply called the Fed, is the central bank of the United States. The reason the Fed exists is to fulfill what's called its dual mandate. I'm amazed how many people don't know about this. Some people think that the Fed just has magical permissions to exist. No one votes for the Fed. They have to have permissions to exist, and these are their permissions. They have two primary goals or permissions. 
Number one, stable prices. Number two, maximum employment. This sounds complicated. We all know how bankers and policymakers like to make things complicated so that people like me and you can't interact in the market. But the truth is, all this means is ensuring that the prices you pay for goods and services remain relatively stable over time. So you don't go to the grocery store one day and suddenly see that it costs you three times as much as usual to buy some apples. And that everyone who wants a job in the US economy can find one. So when you go to the shop, everything is relatively the same prices. And when you go to work, there is work for you to do. So what tools does the Fed have at its disposal to achieve these goals? You can't just wave a magic wand and influence the economy. Mainly, the way they achieve stable prices and maximum employment is to do with controlling the interest rate. Interest rate is controlled through something called money printing. Print more money, reduce interest rates. I actually don't like the word money printing that much because I think it's quite misleading. There is no giant printer that the Fed uses to print dollar bills. Rather, if the Fed wants to inject $1 billion into the economy, it can simply buy $1 billion worth of treasury bonds in the market by creating $1 billion of new money. The reason printing money reduces interest rates is because if the Fed buys bonds, prices are pushed higher and interest rates decrease. But you actually don't need to know all that. You can just know that the Fed is able to print more money to reduce interest rates. So what are interest rates? These are made so confusing, they don't need to be. Just consider interest rates as the cost of borrowing money and the benefit of saving money. You pay interest on your debts, like your mortgages, and you earn interest on your savings, like at your account in the bank. It therefore follows that when interest rates are lower, it makes more sense to borrow money. It's cheaper to borrow, and there is less reward for saving. If more people are able to borrow, the result is that consumers have more money to spend. So print more money, reduce interest rates, more spending. This causes the economy to grow and inflation to increase. So print more money, reduce interest rates, more spending, more inflation. And the exact opposite is true as well. The Fed have the other option to print less money, increase interest rates, less spending, less inflation. So two tools that the Fed has now we have the question of which one is better for cryptocurrency. Well, cryptocurrency is a risk asset. People know it is extremely volatile and they'll only really want to purchase it when they have more risk appetite. They're more likely to have risk appetite in a growing, thriving economy where it's easy to borrow money. Therefore, this scenario that we've just considered print more money, reduce interest rates, more spending, more inflation is the better one for cryptocurrencies. Now, let's take a look at the more likely decision that is going to happen at the next Fed meeting, and therefore why it's good news for crypto. The next meeting is in just five days. There are two scenarios, a 50 basis point hike or a 75 basis point hike. Both of these are interest rate increases, but one is a less aggressive increase than the other. So a 50 basis point increase, less aggressive, better for crypto. A 75 basis point increase, more aggressive, worse for crypto. Fortunately, the scenario that's better for cryptocurrency, the 50 basis point hike, is higher probability according to investors, currently priced in at a 75% likelihood. 
That is why it is good news for the cryptocurrency markets. The decision at the Fed meeting, where they're going to use their tools to influence the economy, looks like they're going to have less aggressive hikes, which is overall positive for the crypto markets. And so, putting it all together, on balance, while the FTX situation has been very damaging, it looks like those damages are at least for now under control, but we will continue to watch out for contagion effects. On the other hand, there continues to be important developments in blockchain in other areas of cryptocurrency and the macroeconomy and the decisions being made by policymakers in the macroeconomy are looking like they're going to be better for cryptocurrency markets. Overall, things are looking like there could be promise, but we all know how quickly things change in the cryptocurrency markets. Thank you for listening. Hasta la vista. Until Monday.